0: where creativity comes from, and how to find your unique bloody fingerprint. Behind the podcast of episode EF-13. I'm Scott Ely. Welcome to episode EF-37 of the Evolve Faster podcast. Quick spoiler alert, this is looking back and doing a behind the podcast episode on episode EF-13, which was season one, episode 11 of the Evolve Faster podcast, titled The Bloody Fingerprint of Creativity. The driving question of this episode and of this behind the podcast for you to think through is where does creativity come from? I'm going to read one paragraph from the website describing the episode just to remind you of the plot. Facing a serious amnesia, Eric Clemens, with the help of Dr. Eden Harper, tries to recollect his lost memories. Dr. Harper takes an unconventional road not only to help Eric track his past, but to create a foundation for his future as well. As they dig deeper and deeper, Eric has to face demons that he didn't know existed. Most of us spend a good portion of the downtime of our lives admiring great artists and the amazing life their creativity allows them to have. And for some reason, when we finish listening to some great music, watching a fantastic film or admiring a piece of art, we go back to our reality of a cold, unimaginative job You know, life mostly spent consuming other people's creativity and not creating our own. And I think this is because most of us believe that creativity isn't a possibility. So I've been experimenting with creative flow and various forms of creativity, including startups, creating companies, being a gigging musician, graphic design, and of course, I now spend a lot of my time doing the creative fiction and nonfiction writing for this podcast. And this has all slowly unfolded over the last two decades. And I've learned a lot about the creative process the hard way. So it isn't always fun. It's rarely easy. It's not always repeatable. And the one thing it is, is always very rewarding. And it's also always a grind. It's really the struggle of creativity where you really only need one paintbrush. And that is determination or the resolution to not give up. So working on season one helped me create an even clearer picture of, of creativity, as it was a more intense focus on just being creative more and more than I had in, in previous years. As the final episode of season one, it was definitely fitting to have an episode specifically on the topic. And as I mentioned previously, the last three episodes of season one were all roughly themed around honing creative thinking, but neither of the previous two focused specifically on creativity as the last episode, this one delivered in, in my opinion. I, I always say that episode 11 is my favorite, but I kind of have a thing for episode 13 as well. So I was chasing this fictional deadline that made me nervous as hell. And it was fictional, but it was actual too. So I was in Barcelona and had scheduled dates at a place to re- do these audio recordings. And I was just getting to the point where I had to finish the recordings for season one if I was going to move on to all the other tasks, like creating the website and all the marketing and all the other things that had to be done. And if I pushed past this recording session in Barcelona, I would then have to start up and find a new place to record in another city. And it's just hard to do because we were moving every seven to 14 days at the time. It wasn't actually a recording studio. It was a, a musician's jam space and there were constant delays from the recordings that had pushed me to the last day so for one thing there was limited hours i could go there where there wasn't bands playing it it was a really well-designed studio that was very soundproof but some occasionally a band would come in and there was one band that came in to do some recordings and as soon as a bass drum starts thumping you can't stop that sound no matter how good the soundproofing is so Anyway, with even I got rolling one day and then some construction started at the site next door, so it was just bad luck as well. I ended up in this situation where I had this, it was a fictional deadline, but it was a real deadline that I did not want to pass. I was at our hotel. We normally stay at Airbnbs on these trips. And this time, however, it was one time in an entire year that we actually couldn't find a place to stay that was in the budget that we had set. And I'm not sure why that happened, but Airbnb has completely changed the, the travel game because normally, even over the course of an entire year, we never worried about a place to stay. We could always book something almost last minute in either a hotel or Airbnb because there's so much competition now for travelers. But for some reason, we had a problem in Barcelona, and we did find a, a pretty cool boutique hotel at the last minute for a good price. and. It was great. So I was, uh, it was a great place to stay, but the clock was ticking. There was really no good place to go. So I was in the lobby by the front desk, sitting on this couch, panicking because I not only had two and a half episodes to record the next day because of all these recording delays, but worse than that, the last episode, this one, wasn't ready yet. So there were holes in it. The reveals weren't right. I was really trying to do a lot with it. And Antonio, I think, had been trying to convince me to just let it go. I had this vision where there were like three or four different kind of layered reveals in the episode. And as it was, I think there was two. And I just felt like I had this vision for it and I didn't want to let it go because I was so close to having this definitely more complex episode writing-wise than anything else that had been in the season. So it's about nine o'clock at night. Heidi and Stella had gone to bed upstairs. I knew I had to be at the recruiting studio at 9 a.m. the next morning, because my my session was from nine to five available, and I had two and a half episodes, because I had um, finished recording about halfway through one, and normally that would be, two episodes would be a full eight-hour day. So I had an extra half an episode, and I had an episode that wasn't complete yet. So I was about to go upstairs and just quit, and either punt and not record the last episode, which would have really been annoying, or I was going to record it as is and be kind of unhappy that I hadn't pushed through to the final thing. I step away from it because I've been working on it for, you know, two hours and wasn't really, it wasn't, I wasn't able to change it. So I get up to walk away and didn't really make a decision about what I was going to do. And I get on the stairs to walk back upstairs and then it hits me how to fix it. like. I'd been sitting there and this is a great lesson about creativity you have to step away from things even even just stepping away from it for three minutes like i did i finally wasn't like actively churning my brain thinking about it and within five minutes all of a sudden it was like boom there's the idea all you have to do is move this here change this one section of dialogue and it's going to work so i was standing there i probably stood in that on that stairwell for a minute straight not moving deciding like Am I going to attempt this now at 11 p.m. when I'm exhausted and I have to be rested for this recording session tomorrow? I decided to go for it. So I went back downstairs, front desk where I thought I was crazy. And because no one else was sitting in the, you know, in this one couch right across from the lobby desk, it's just a little, little hotel. Uh, I sat there and took a crack at it. And I went to bed thinking, okay, this is, I think I got it. But I knew something was wrong, but I had no idea how to find it. There was just no way. I didn't have time to read it, so I have this app that I use that reads things back to me. So I put it in my phone, and I went to bed. What happened? Well, as creativity is the theme of this behind the podcast, we'll loop back to this story at the end, and you can be the judge if the gamble I took worked out or not. But this also led to what Antonio and I called our first creative fight. Let me first do a run-through of the questions we're going to cover, and then at the end, I'll reveal how I, how I got through that situation and, and what happened when I got to, re, to the recording studio that morning. We're going to try to cover why this question, where does creativity come from? Are the story and Eric modeled after anyone? Or is it autobiographical? I didn't really get the cryptomnesia part the doctor mentions. Can you explain it? Where did the bloody fingerprint metaphor come from? And there was a comment from the episode that the questions are hidden by the answers. Can you explain this? so why this question where does creativity come from so in every episode some percentage of the characters turn out to be about yourself without you knowing it or sometimes on purpose and this one was no different so like every episode this one tries to demystify something about the topic and the topic here is creativity from the perspective of the artist so in the episode and for this answer i may use art and creativity somewhat interchangeably. I mean, they're not the same, obviously. It takes creativity to create art. Creativity is the verb and art is the noun. But topically, they're linked. And I I might do a different episode later to investigate the process of consuming creative content. You know, why we find things interesting and beautiful and that sort of thing. Art is kind of like philosophy. It's about creating deeper and better questions about life and what's possible. So I feel that art can be found in anything when The author of that art touches it with their unique perspective or their unique humanity or their whatever questions about life that she's trying to explore it's further made valuable by the fact that most think it's unavailable to them and that artists are born not made and all my research and experience shows that the opposite is true you can argue that people like lenin or vonnegut or picasso or you know scientists let's say like einstein or even some average Joe that was just incredibly gifted in whatever gardening or whatever was born with the gift. But you can take a deeper look through their stories and find the real cause. I think this is an important question because similar to the disconnect we have with things like where our food comes from, there's a growing disconnect with where creative products come from and the process it takes to create those things. Content stores like Google and Amazon and Netflix are so unrelenting and in our face every day with the volumes, coupled with the really, really clever artificial intelligence that's choosing our content consumption paths for us, almost unknowingly, telling us what we're gonna like and being damn accurate at doing it. It's making the distinction between art forms in some ways drastic and in some ways unhealthy, I think. If you see all these titles in front of you, It's almost easy to forget or almost impossible to understand the creative toil and creativity that went into creating even one of those things. So I I wonder, are we losing appreciation for these things based on just how easy and accessible they are and and just seemingly like free? I mean, you know, they're almost free. You you pay so little for these monthly subscriptions that I think it's even hard for someone who's never had involvement with creative process to understand. So the reading of novels, for example, is on the decline. I mean, is that bad in itself? Is watching three full Netflix series in exchange for that same time that it would take you to read Anna Karenina or War and Peace or Infinite Jest? Is that a better or worse use of time? I mean, we, we used to buy full albums of music, you know, a compilation of songs that was carefully compiled by an artist or a band to send a message, usually, across the whole album. I mean, now, most kids just expect unlimited streaming music and they don't really care about anything but songs. I mean, is this bad? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's certainly different. But my point is, the definition of art is changing and in some sense by brute force and marketing power and selection of the easiest paths for our brains many times. And if we don't stop to pause and question it, we might be bowled over by it. But the episode tries to investigate another perspective on creativity and art. And that is that art isn't about just painting or music or sculpting. Art can be cooking, working, coding, and living, depending on how you do those things. So everything you do can turn into art with the right mindset. Art can be about walking down the street mindfully and appreciating everything instead of appreciating nothing. If you were a person who did that and only that every day, I mean, imagine your appreciation for life to me that's living artfully and honestly it would not be an easy shift to make to your mindset but by acknowledging our creative possibilities and removing the veil from what art is maybe it can help us become better and more creative at living as well are the story and eric modeled after anyone is this autobiographical well this is the last story we finished and the one that went through the most transformation And also, in my opinion, it's probably the best of the season one from a writing perspective. So I've said previously, I thought EF11 was the best story and theme, but EF13 was our favorite writing as it evolved significantly towards what the show could be, I think. It definitely deserves to be the episode that marks the end of season one, I think. So the story isn't modeled after anyone specifically, but as always, there might be a couple Easter eggs planted across the episode. So we initially started working on this one it was just an average guy trying to be creative. So he'd visit bookstores trying to find the answer of how he can become a creative person. And that version was in fact, kind of a lame autobiographical version, part of investigating my own creative process over you know, a series of years. And lame because it's just not an interesting story. I mean, creativity for the most part is a grind as discussed in the episode. I can't say this as well as Stephen Pressfield, in his book, The War of Art, which was in the episode, and I did summarize it as well as I could there. So here's that section from the episode, which to me explains the journey of creativity very well. To get him inspired when they first began, Dr. Harper had him read a short book titled The War of Art. It was a short self-help book of sorts by a famous author and screenwriter named Stephen Pressfield. He could summarize the book in a couple of short sentences. Creativity is not a gift given to a select few. It's a difficult to master, acquired skill that develops through consistent practice. You simply had to show up every day and do the work, even when it felt like there was nothing good in your head. Eureka moments of creative genius were a result of consistency and practiced creativity, not some divine gift. Hardships Eric goes through, I can relate to. I mean, at least the ones of being a story writer, not the amnesia part, but that line, that writing is easy, all you have to do is stare at the paper until drops of blood form is completely true, at least for me. So in a sense, Eric is me over the last decade or more of trying to consistently become a better writer, a better creative person, and a clearer thinker of ideas. So the story itself is loosely based on the concept of cryptomnesia and developed slowly in my head over a series of weeks of brainstorming to run as far away from the original boring idea that was based on me as I could. But that's the next question. I didn't really get the cryptomnesia part that Doctor mentions, can you explain it? So this is kind of a big spoiler and I'm hesitant to answer it. Instead, let me tell a pop culture story that we cut from the original episode. So I'm gonna read it as it existed in the first draft of the episode when it was more of a nonfiction piece. So this brings us to another phenomenon to better understand what art really is called cryptomnesia. Although it sounds like something out of a B-horror movie, it's a state where an individual mistakes a forgotten memory for something new and original. One of the best examples comes from pop culture. When somebody says yesterday, what's the thing that comes to your mind? For a lot of people, probably all your troubles seem so far away. There probably aren't many people living in Western culture who don't know this song. But did you know that the tune came to Paul McCartney in a dream? According to McCartney, he woke up one day with this tune in his head, sat at the piano, and played it. He thought it was lovely, but was bothered by the fact that he'd heard it somewhere before, which would mean he couldn't use it. He spent a lot of time, 18 months, alongside with arranging the whole song, playing the tune to many people until he finally felt certain it was his tune. But many believe, and something McCartney confirmed to be possible, that influence from yesterday came from Ray Charles' version of Georgia On My Mind, Although if you listen to both songs, you won't directly hear them as similar, but the chord progression is almost the same. 10 out of 11 chords used in Georgia correspond to the same chords used in yesterday. It's actually a perfect and subtle way for the subconsciousness to play with its small brother consciousness. So that's gonna have to suffice. If that answer still doesn't help, then please listen to the episode again, and in particular, the ending. Where did the bloody fingerprint metaphor concept come from? Says so you know, each one of us has a unique fingerprint. So what better way to talk about leaving your creative mark in the world than through a fingerprint analogy was my line of thinking. And then if you call back to drops of blood forming on your forehead when trying to be creative and struggling, you can obviously connect the dots where the initial metaphor came from conceptually. It's funny because I was noodling on this idea for weeks, looking for it when it was still the kind of dull original episode. and. As I do sometimes when I'm procrastinating, I went through my image database and I was pulling up some imagery to use for for the upcoming episodes, and I wasn't even looking specifically for this episode because it wasn't even close to being done yet. But as I was flipping through my image database, I stumbled upon this fingerprint image and the original image was actually it was a blue fingerprint on white. So I had this moment of clarity right then, and that's when it hit me that it could be, fingerprint could be the, the metaphor for the for the episode. And I so I, I popped the image into my iPad and the, the application I use for photo editing. And after playing with it a while, I made it look like this kind of bloody fingerprint on a black background. And that's when I pieced the kind of individuality piece with the fingerprint. And then i sort of crafted the rest of the story details around it so at this point when i i just liked the concept of the fingerprint for individuality and i like it being bloody based on it being kind of this battle that you fight so then i just let it stew in my subconscious for a while and went back to other episodes and then sometime weeks later the idea for the accident and this kind of metaphorical death of the character killing off his uncreative half of his personality Came to me. And that's when it was starting to finally come together. But having that image seared into my brain was really the key. I'm a very visual person, so I often jump ahead to imagery, sometimes before I've even written a word, to give myself some visual inspiration for things. And um, before I even have a story or metaphor pinned down, because sometimes the images will spur ideas for me and give me an answer I've been looking for. So I'd call this a critical part of creativity. You have to just do things. If you're stuck, do something Um, even if it feels like procrastination go for a walk look at images browse in a bookstore just keep doing things and keep the ball moving forward even if it feels like you're not working it is you know so try things and let let the connections form just don't do things that are time-wasting like if you you know I I heard um, Neil Gaiman on the Tim Ferriss show the other day and they were talking about his creative process and he has this rule he can write or he can do nothing, but he can't do anything else. So that's his creative constraint because he knows if he does other things like browse the internet, talk on the phone, all these things are are not letting his mind be creative. But if he sits there, he'll eventually get bored or he'll be creatively thinking because he's not trying to do something with his brain, you know, come up with connections. So he's either doing that or he's writing. I'm kind of describing the same thing here, which is something that I do. I'll only do things that are supporting what I'm working on. So browsing in a bookstore can even like spur ideas about things. To me, looking at images in my database that I might use for the episodes for metaphors, that's inspiring to me. Going for a walk just clears my brain. Um, But to like jump on Instagram and start looking around is probably not going to help because you're just going to distract yourself. Um, So I wasn't specifically searching for an image for this episode. It, It wasn't even close to being done, but I let this creative process take me where it wanted to go, and the puzzle pieces kind of slowly came into a, a hole. So it can feel frustrating, but now this kind of puzzling aspect is really my favorite part of the whole, of everything related to the podcast. So chip, it's chipping away at these big complex problems and then letting my brain, sometimes an old Pentium trip as uh, as Antonio likes to joke, and sometimes the supercomputer, find the pieces. There was a comment from the episode saying that the questions are hidden by the answers. Can you explain this? I think many times answers that we get and take for granted hide further questions that we could or should be asking. So how many times did someone give a seemingly reasonable answer that satisfied your craving for a question? And the satisfaction numbed your need to dig any deeper. So you became comfortably numb. In Eric's case, this happens quite literally. Amnesia is the answer to his current state, and it makes him ask so many important questions about himself. So finally, with the support of Dr. Harper, he manages to use the questions, not necessarily to find all the answers, but to create a personal path that leads to what's important, happiness. So it's ironic as the answers he gets satisfy him to the extent that he no longer feels the need to dig deeper and discover the true horror of what actually happened. So the introduction episode of the podcast, EF2, and the first episode of season one, EF3, both delve into the concept of changing your perspective in life around looking for better questions instead of better answers. So I'll link to both episodes in the show notes if you'd like to dig into those as a mindset shift worth pursuing, because probably a simple answer like this in an AMA is not going to be enough to inspire real change in your mindset unless you're really good at change, which would make you some kind of superhuman. So I think that that set of questions covers what I was trying to accomplish with this behind the podcast and it gets to the root of most of those questions. Thanks for submitting them and submit questions to evolvefaster.com forward slash discuss. So let me get back to why I had a battle with Antonio. So what happened here was an early draft Antonio wrote revealed the source of the bloody fingerprint as being on the windshield and therefore related to the car accident quite early. But my vision was that this was the huge reveal which linked Sid to seeing it in the newspaper much earlier. So I can tell you we fought with raised voices on this one and you know, fought meaning like we weren't angry at one another, but we were fighting on this creative point. So it was at least one hour call on just this one point each of us trying to sell the other on. He was trying to, he, he, he just didn't think it was necessary at all. And to me, we were giving away the entire farm by revealing that detail too soon. I wanted to hint at something and then not reveal the bloody fingerprint connection until the very end. Um, after an hour-long call, I think we were both very done with the episode, but I just felt this was critical. We had a huge laugh at the end of the call because we agreed that this was the point of the podcast for us, you know, arguing over these details and getting so involved in these stories that, you know, maybe no one else in the world actually is ever gonna care or even notice these things. But, you know, as I kind of mentioned before, this is kind of a hedonistic pleasure for us. Like right? we enjoy creating these stories and having these discussions over things was is really important to us. So maybe 10% or maybe 1% of the audience or maybe just us will ever ever notice these things. It's interesting, that same episode I just listened to of Tim Ferriss, he had Neil Gaiman on, who was a, a, an author, hero of his, who I also admire. I like his work as well. He's got a really solid commencement speech that he did that I'll link to, which was which is a really good, a good talk about creativity and art. So anyway, in the episode, he was explaining his, uh, Neil Gaiman is explaining his unique writing relationship that he had with his friend and this fellow author named Terry Pratchett, a famous English writer. So I laughed out loud when he described a very similar kind of special thing that he and Terry had where they were on, on something they were working on together. They'd spend hours like nerding out about intricate little details about the Easter eggs and the subtle nuanced details that they were putting into something they're writing that probably few people, would, I mean more people would notice theirs than ours, but. But it was a similar type of thing showing that a lot of times the creative process is really all that it's about. It doesn't necessarily even matter what the end product or how it's perceived. If you enjoyed creating it enough, then that's really most of the point. So that's what Antonio and I do all the time. It's a kind of, you know, as I call it, a hedonistic mental pleasure that makes the creativity worth it in a way, kind of regardless of who's listening. So if you listen to the episode, you'll know that my vision prevailed not because his arguments were bad but because i hold the veto trump card because it's my platform i i actually think he takes a little solace in this because when things don't turn out right there's only one person to blame and it's not him so i haven't actually asked asked him specifically about his what he feels about how the ending turned out and what we argued about but i know he feels it's the most well-written episode so i'll take that as your concession buddy check and mate no, I, I, I know the way it turned out was way better because of that conversation we had. And I know I made changes to incorporate some of his problem he had with me moving things around the way I did. As always, the podcast turned out way better because of, because of our creative brainstorm. So besides our little creative fight, the other loose end that I started this episode with but never cleared up is, how did it end up after that last-minute writing session in the lobby of the hotel at midnight. So let me finish that story. So, in the next the next morning, I woke up and on the way to the it was about a forty five minute train ride to get to this recording studio, and I listened to the recording of what I had just finished writing, and I realized what I had screwed up. So I was on the I was sitting about fifteen minutes before my recording sessions started. I'm sitting in a park outside of the where the recording place was and realizing that I, I, ha- I had to fix something. So I'm scrambling, trying to get it fixed, and I did my best. And I went in and I actually really buckled down and focused. And I'm sure a couple of those recordings, you know, you can tell where I was getting tired, but I finished it. And I felt they did a pretty good job considering how much I packed into that one recording session two and a half episodes done in one eight hour day was by far the most i'd ever done so i left the studio exhausted but pretty exhilarated to have finished the recordings of of season one and it wasn't until the next day that i had a chance to listen to the recording and i realized that i totally effed up one major thing when i made that last minute shift most of the episodes have main characters embody some core principle that we're trying to investigate and I'd moved things around that previous night and made three things way more awesome in the way the plot revealed, but I'd I'd ruined one and it was it was pretty essential. Luckily, it was able to be fixed in post though. It's a funny thing about your subconscious and creativity. It's so powerful, but it's not always quite accessible. So when I made those changes the night before, I was tired and I knew it was way better, but I also knew I had broken something. I didn't I didn't know what I'd broken but I knew I broke something in that 7 or 8,000 word script that was going to screw up the the storyline but I was too tired to know and it was a per- fairly intricately orchestrated script this one so you can't make one change without having some impact so the uh, a great lesson was this that even complicated things can be fixed after the fact I threw it back at Antonio and he actually found a very simple removal only fix. We didn't have to do any audio patches, which can be painful to not only to get them done, but to get them to sound right. It was fun to have both a a creative constraint and a deadline, even though semi self-imposed. But this is one of the many challenges of self-employment. You many times have to create stakes when there are none to keep yourself motivated and keep yourself on a, a time schedule. So, and it was even more fun to see if I could pin myself down into a creative corner like this where I had to make quicker decisions than usual and have them work out creatively. So only because I'd been doing this project for, you know, about 18 months at that point, did it all work out okay. Creative constraints are really amazing. If you haven't toyed with these, I encourage you to try. Here's a generic idea. Just take a project you wanted to work on or are working on and make it harder. I know this sounds silly, but hear me out. Let's say you're learning to play the guitar, but it could be anything, learning to paint, cook, whatever. Instead of trying to learn every chord that exists, say in some song you're trying to learn, force yourself to only learn three chords and give yourself a week. When you remove variables, your mind gets more creative and you figure out ways to make things happen. This is what our mind is really good at. You know, now pull that back and what else could you do for every other project in your life how could you add creative constraints to you know your regular day to day life what would you be able to accomplish creatively if you tried this on everything you do or want to do so as as i leave you thinking about that this wraps up this behind the podcast episode and it wraps up all the behind the podcast episodes for season 1 so we have one more uh, ask me anything episode coming up also about episode F thirteen. Please register your email if you want to stay in the loop um, for when the next season is released. That's uh, a really important thing that you can do to help out. Is if I have if I have your email, I know I can get you information about when things are launching. So take care and thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week. The Evolve Faster podcast is written, produced, and performed by Scott Ely. Many episodes are also co-written with the help of Antonio Rosic. It takes an enormous effort to produce all the quality original content needed for this podcast. Your support would be greatly appreciated and you can learn about multiple ways to do so by going to evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Here you'll find direct links to review and give the podcast five stars on key platforms like iTunes and share it on social media. These are free to do but are critical to audience growth. And the only way to find out about new seasons is to register your email, so please do so. You will only receive valuable content and information on upcoming seasons and products. And finally, if you're benefiting from the Evolve Faster podcast, direct financial support at whatever amount you can afford is important for our survival. Running ads on a channel for free thinking content is an inherent conflict of interest. So if you want the podcast content to remain unhindered by commercial interests and stay edgy and raw, then direct support is the best and only path to content independence. Also, writing and production of each episode of the Evolve Faster podcast is a major undertaking spanning many months. It's a labor of love, but it does need your help to survive. So please consider becoming a subscriber at evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Your help and support are greatly appreciated and are what makes this podcast possible. Isn't it time for an upgrade? It's time to evolve faster.